0: This episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-owned auto park customer service that has been serving customers online for the past 20 years. Go visit RockAuto.com and type in Locked On on the How'd You Hear About Us page so they know that we sent you amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts you will ever need. RockAuto.com is the place to be. It's the Locked On Aggies podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. And today, I'm gonna go back into some of the history of what I've heard about this podcast. And I'm going to let you have a chance to quiz me or quiz against me knowing my knowledge of Texas A&M. We're going to do a full-on 20-question quiz Today, where you can go ahead and answer these questions against me to see how well you know your Texas A&M knowledge, how well I, as the host of Locked on Aggies and someone who covers the Aggies extensively, knows his Texas A&M knowledge. Before we begin, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and give us a follow on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this show better, I'm more than willing to take into consideration and into your thoughts. So give me a follow at Mr. Cole Thompson. And secondly, Locked On Aggies. Locked On Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M related content. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live on LockedOnPodcast.com. So what I want to do today, just because I think it's important for the person who is covering your team knows about their team, is take a quiz. And and don't get me wrong, a quiz doesn't exactly mean you know everything about said team, but it does help that they do know the history of the school, and that's something that I do want to make sure the listeners know. So, there is a 20-question quiz that I found on quizit.com that will answer all the questions, actually it's 25, my bad, 25-question quiz on quizit.com that will answer every single question... In most recent history about Texas A&M, what most beat reporters, what most people want to know about the team. So if you want to go ahead and play, go to quizit.com and type in Texas A&M football. 25-question quiz. I've said I've been going to be doing this for a while. We finally have some time to do it, so let's go ahead and break down this quiz starting right now. Question number one. Who was the coach that recruited Johnny Manziel? The options, Kevin Sumlin, Jimbo Fisher, Mike McCarthy, Les Miles, Mike Sherman. Immediately three are out the door. I know that Mike McCarthy was coaching the Green Bay Packers. Les Miles was about three years removed from his national championship at LSU, three or four years, and Jimbo Fisher had just taken over as the head coach of Florida State, which leaves Mike Sherman and Kevin Sumlin. 99.9% sure Mike Sherman was the guy to actually recruit Johnny Manziel. This was a very big deal in Texas football. He was one of the dual-threat guys, one of the players that some people said was not going to make it as a quarterback, did not get a lot of offers. I know Sherman was still part of the program before Kevin Sumlin came along. I'm going to stick with Mike Sherman, and the answer is, yeah, it's Mike Sherman. That's right. Mike Sherman did recruit Johnny Manziel out of high school. He was redshirted in 2011. That was Sherman's last year before he got fired. Sherman, of course, known for creating the West Coast offense down in College Station. Once Kevin Sumlin got there, him and Cliff Kingsbury found a way to make it work, and worked it did. Sumlin and... Kingsbury had the most success with Manziel as a redshirt freshman. He became the first freshman to ever win the Heisman Trophy winner in 2012. More importantly, he brought him to a 10-win season and defeated number 1 Alabama. I remember that game clear as day because I was at that game as a true freshman watching that. And that was something that not a lot of people had ever seen happen, literally by anyone, especially a freshman. It was a big deal about that. Question number two. What year did the Aggies win the national championship? 2011, 1938, 1939, 2019. I know it wasn't 2011 uh, because that was Alabama against that was LSU. I know it wasn't 2019 because that was LSU versus Clemson this past year. So it was 38 or 39. I'm 99.9% sure it was 1939 was the first year, and the answer is... Yep, 1939. It was also the last time that Texas A&M won it. They won it also in 27, and I think it was 1919 was the other year. So, again, this is something that I think a lot of people are looking forward to with Jimbo Fisher to come a part of the team. You want him to be the guy to take you almost a century later and bring you back to the promised land and hoist up a national title. Let's move on to question number three. When did Texas A&M win the Big 12 Championship? I know this one. It was 1998. It was one of the best years defensively for Texas A&M. I don't even have to go any further than that. Especially when you look at the other options. I know it wasn't 19. Uh, I know it wasn't 2002. I know it wasn't 2012 because they were in the big, They were in the SEC at that point. I'm I'm just going to lock this in immediately. It's 1998. Yep, 1998. That was one of the best defensive seasons Texas A&M ever saw. Datton and Wing was great that year. When you look at some of the picks that came out of that class, it's very promising. Again, this is an easy answer. This was one that I knew immediately off the the top of my head. What year did Texas A&M beat Alabama? I don't even have to go that far. Um, So there's four answers. I know there's two. Because I know one year they beat Bear Bryant, who was the former coach of Texas A&M with the Junction Boys. And then 2012. So it would have to be 1968 and 2012. I know they didn't win in 2019. And I know for a fact that they didn't win in 2016 because I was at that game. Yep, 2012 and 1968. Everyone remembers that 2012 game. And I think a lot of people realized at that moment Johnny Manziel was something special. Because of what he was able to do on that play where he went to try and find Ryan swoop, if I'm not mistaken. The ball gets batted down into his hands, and he still finds a way to score. That was when I think a lot of people started to garner attention to who Johnny Manziel was, not just the player, but also the personality that made him such a unique character in the realm of college football. Especially when you look at how his presence has lasted this long. I think it says a lot about what that game really did. 29-24, I also know that because of every single time I went to A&M as a visitor from Alabama, I remember a lot of people would always go, hey man, 29-24, bring that up. And again, this I think could be a big year for A&M where they get their second win, and is the, I think it's going to be the very first time Jimbo Fisher will beat Nick Saban. Yeah, I'm actually 99.9% sure it's the first time Nick Saban will lose to Jimbo Fisher. Jim's thing about... Let's move on to the next question. Question number, what is this? Five or six? Uh, yeah, question number five. Who were the two Heisman Trophy winners at Texas A&M? Let's just give the answers. We all know them: Jay Brewer, uh, Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill, John David Crow, and Johnny Manziel. First two answers are correct. Johnny Manziel and John David Crow. Manziel. Everyone knows became the first freshman in Heisman history to take home the prestigious award. A&M went on to have a 10-win season that year. John David Crow. I feel like every single Aggie, whether you cover it, you historicize it, or just you, are, you know, are an Aggie, need to know exactly John David Crow because the Bear Bryant's quote in 1957, right before he won it, saying that if John David Crow does not win the Heisman Trophy, they ought to stop giving it out. It's a very famous quote by him. Uh, he did win it in 1957 because the Aggies won their first eight games to so rank number one in the AP poll. Uh, he. Rushed for 562 yards, six touchdowns. He also caught two passes, and he threw for five touchdowns. So he literally did it all, including defense, where he had five interceptions. So when you think of the Heisman Trophy, you have to think of John David Crow because it goes to the nation's best player. And that time, and in that time period, a lot of players played both ways. And what John David Crow was able to do to represent this team, and more importantly, just represent what it means to be the best player in college football, the numbers speak for themselves. And that alone, I think, is why a lot of people say he earned the Heisman. And when you think about it, his dual threat ability probably has played a factor in a lot of other players receiving the award. When you look at the list, including a guy like Charles Woodson, I would say maybe even a guy like Desmond Howard, all those guys can be accredited to him. Um, uh, Why am I blanking on his name? Uh, The Notre Dame receiver, not Tim Rice, Tim Brown. When you look at the award, the versatility of being the best player on the field wasn't just a quarterback, wasn't just a running back. It was the best player. And I think that John David Crowe opened the door for an implication. Whether wasn't... Beginning of opening doors, sometimes you got to open that door and go to the auto shop. And nine times out of ten, it usually is an arm and a leg of a cost for a part you can fix yourself. That's why I like to use RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a family owned auto part business service that has been serving car customers online for the past 20 years. They have a very unique catalog with really low prices and all the parts you can find based off model, size, and selection. Heck, Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints had his tailgate stolen off the back of his truck. What he did was he went on to rockautos.com's very reliable catalog, found the exact tailgate, had it shipped to his house, and installed it for himself half the price. Go to rockauto.com and type in "Locked on on the how'd you hear about it section so they know that we sent you. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the auto parts you could ever need. rockauto.com is the place to be. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're subscribed to all different podcasts here on the Locked On Podcast Network. With over two dozen college shows, plus every team covered in the NFL, NHL, MLB, NBA, and highlight information to get you geared up for fantasy sports seasons, Locked On is the place to be. We're taking the Texas A&M Aggies quiz. 25 questions We're about a third of the way done. Let's keep this going. What year did Paul Bear Bryant come to A&M? Well, I know he left right after in 1958, if I'm not mistaken. And I was actually a neighbor of the Junction Boys, uh, Don Watson. And I grew up hearing stories about the Junction Boys. And I know that the Junction Boys was part of a 10-day 10 10 day camp that started in 1954. 1954 is the selection on here, so I'm going to say it's 1954. Yep, it's 1954. The other options were 1999, 1967, and 1956. He was gone by 67, and he was dead by 1999. So it was really 54 or 56. Question seven. Who is the present quarterback at Texas A&M? Johnny Manziel, Trevor Knight, Kyler Murray, Kellen Mond. It's Kellen Mond. I mean, Kyler Murray's in the NFL. Trevor Knight was there for one year. Johnny Manziel won the Heisman in 2012. So it's hard to forget the order, especially when you think of how long... Kellen Mond's been the starting quarterback at Texas A&M. That was an easy question. Question number eight. Who is the coach at Texas A&M? Kevin Sumlin, Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, Paul Bear Bryant. Bryant's dead. Sumlin's at Arizona who used to coach, and Saban's at Alabama. Jimbo Fisher's the answer. We don't have to go much further than that. Where do the Aggies play? Like, oh, my God. Technically, um, three of these answers are correct. The Rec for Rec Leagues. Rita Arena for Basketball. And Kyle Field for football. They really ask for football, so Kyle Field would be the correct answer. What time is the Midnight Yell? That's an easy question. I've been to multiple Midnight Yells. Once, actually, covering a story on the Midnight Yell. That happens at midnight every single Friday before a game. It happens at midnight. What year did Texas A&M open? 1867, 1776, 1912, or 1876? So I know it wasn't 1776 because of it was Texas was not part of the 13 colonies. I know it wasn't 1912 because of A&M was was open in the 1800s. So 1867 or 1876, I'm gonna go with my gut and go 1876 on this one. Yep, 1876 is the correct answer. Question number 12. Who is our mascot? Again, I mean no, the century tree. It's not a mascot. 12th man it's a it's a group of the student fan base it's not a mascot Jimbo he's a character I mean I'll give you that he's a phenomenal character who makes me laugh every single time or Reveille which is the correct answer here's a fun fact I actually did not know about Reveille until I, until I started covering the team last year Reveille was not always a rough collie. It actually was a mutt that was, held, uh, that was hit by a car by one of the members of the Aggie Fighting Band in 1931, and the reason why her name is Reveille, Reveille is because of the bugler was one of the people who hit her, and the dog started barking, which gave away the fact that the dog was then... A member of it. Another thing I did not know, and this is a quiz questions: How many revelies are there? I looked this up because of I wanted to figure it out. Uh, but it's nine. Nine revelies. Did not know that. And I also did not know that they stopped having Reveille for almost eight years uh, after the first revely died. Yeah, in nineteen fifty two, a member of a graduate from one of the classes donated a sheepdog uh, during that season. And yeah, I mean. That's how the sheepdog became the next Reveille, and that's just how it continued. I did not know any of that, so that was actually something really cool that I learned earlier this week when I was doing some research. Uh, where do we put our pennies? This is an easy one. It's also a controversial one because of a lot of people mentioned this during his you know, back and forth questions about why they should keep up the statue. It's not on Revely, it's not on the quad, it's not on a fish pond, it's on Sully. Uh, It is on Sue Ross Sullivan, who was one of the founders of Texas A&M. He was a big booster. He's one of the former presidents of Texas A&M. He did a lot to bring A&M to what it is today, and it caused a lot of controversy because of his background with the Confederate Army, with his background with, of course... You know him being a Texas Ranger, what he did to the natives of Texas. This was a lot of controversy a couple months ago. There's actually a podcast we talked about if the statue should be up. So that was an easy one when you really break it down. After remembering that, uh, how many overtimes? Uh, how many overtimes has the longest game got into in Texas a and history? I know this one because of I remember covering this game. Uh, I was actually covering it for a different school, not AM. I was covering it for more of a general SEC. And that is the seven overtime game in 2018. Jimbo Fisher's first year on campus against, and I'm going to guess this is the next question. Yeah, who did Texas A&M play in the longest overtime game? Um, it was either uh, Alabama, Georgia, uh, UMass, or LSU. And it's LSU. Longest overtime game played. What an amazing game. When you go back, I actually spoke to Courtney Davis about this not too long ago. I remember him talking about why this game was so instrumental to his career. Uh, Of course, everyone knows that he's got the tying touchdown as time expired. It was a big-time moment for A&M, and I think this was the moment where a lot of people throughout the up-and-down season of Jimbo Fisher in his first year believed this was the right call, and this was the guy who was going to take him to the promised land. We got 10 more questions. What are they? Don't go anywhere. We'll be breaking them down in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas AM. Guys, make sure you are following us on social media at Locked On Aggies and at Mr. Cole Thompson. Subscribe to the show on iTunes and Spotify and listen live on lockedonpodcast.com. Final 10 questions. Question number 16. The first ever football game broadcast on live radio between Texas and Texas A&M was in what year? 1910, 1921, 1925, 1931, and 1935. This is a tough one. I don't know about FCC regulations. I don't know when radio really started. I know it had to have been before 1931 because I know radio was big in the 30s uh, and it was big right before the stock market crashes well in 1929 i'm gonna go with 1921 that's gonna be my final answer answer is all right that was a shot in the dark but i did not think it was gonna be 1921 at all Uh, i thought i mean i knew that it could not be in the 30s and i figured 1910 was a little too soon for radio so i just could not imagine that Texas A&M beat what team in the 1995 Alamo Bowl? Michigan, TCU, Penn State, Cal, Tennessee. I don't think it was Tennessee. I think Tennessee was really good back then. Um, I don't think it was Cal. I think Cal was terrible. I want to say it was Michigan or Penn State. I'm going to go with Penn State. Nope, it was Michigan. All right, so I was right. Conference, wrong name. What am I going to do with that? Uh, which Texas A&M linebacker won the Bernard Dick Award? I know this one. I'll just give out the answers, though. Quentin Court, Billy Hods, Marcus Buckley, Datna Wing, Von Miller. I know Von Miller was a finalist, but he didn't win it. dat Nwing won it. And Datton Wing, again, if you went back and listened during March's shows, we broke down the greatest Aggies of all time. And in my pick, I said Datna Wing was the winner because of his consistency at that middle linebacker position – he leads A&M in tackles. He also was there the longest, and I think he made the most impact. So that all adds up to him being, in my opinion, the greatest Aggie of all time. And more importantly, it adds up to why he probably won the Menardochic Award. Where did Paul Bear Bryant coach just prior to arriving at Texas A&M? Alabama, Maryland, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Mississippi. I know it wasn't SEC school. I know it wasn't Alabama. Uh, So, Maryland's out, and I don't think Mississippi is it either. I'm going to go with Kentucky on this one. And I'm pretty sure it was Kentucky because if he did all three SEC schools back to back to back. Yep, it was Kentucky. Fun fact I just looked this up. Paul, uh, Paul Bryant, a Bear Bryant coach from 1946 to 53 at kentucky but he came from maryland which would make sense of why it was on the list Uh, assistant coaches at kentucky who were under brian to become head coaches included paul dietzel frank mosley jim owens phil kutchen uh players who were of notification for him was howard schemberger uh jim mckenzie jerry claiborne steve Mellinger, george blanda uh vito Peril, and bob gain let's move on to the next question all right Who is the all-time winningest coach in Texas A&M history? Homer Norton, Jackie Sherrill, Emily Bellard, uh, Kevin Sumlin, and R.C. Slocum. This this is such an easy one. It is R.C. Slocum. He has 100 and I want to say 23 wins. The most in Aggie history. Head coach there from 1989 to 2002. Uh, He just recently was put in the College Football Hall of Fame in 2012. So, again... This is a very easy, easy question of all time. Next one down to our final four. What year did John? Uh, what year was the first Heisman Trophy award given to Johnny Vaccaro? 1957. Uh, and which Texas A&M running back holds the school record for career rushing yards? Christian Michael, Greg Hill, Cyrus Gray, Darren Lewis, and Curtis Dickey. I know Michael is up there, I know Gray is up there, but I'm pretty sure it's Darren Lewis. And the survey says Darren Lewis it is. And uh, the reason I remember this is because of he was so highly projected until his combine. And this was the start of really a sad story when it comes to Darren Lewis. How he tested positive at the combine. He fell all the way to like the 5th or 6th round. Um, he was the only player to test for drugs at the combine. He only played 30... 435 games, I think it was like three seasons. Uh, He only started like a handful of games. He didn't even break a 1,000 yards in his career. Uh, And then he had a 27-year term in federal prison uh, because of his cocaine addiction and multiple criminal charges related to armed robberies in the Dallas area. This was a sad one because I, I remember so many people saying what a career Darren Lewis could have had if he just did not get into trouble who is the only Aggie to throw for over 500 yards in a single game. So I remember this because I there's things you can always remember just from your college days. And one of the things was I remember hearing about how Texas A&M finally had a passer who could threw over 500 yards in a game, and I thought, okay, it was Johnny Manziel. And I remember someone saying, no, it wasn't Johnny Manziel. Go look at the stat line. I think the highest he ever threw was like 460. So it was Kenny Hill. I know this, and this is an answer on the question. I'm not even gonna go any further because it was against South Carolina. He went like 44 of 60 or something like that. He hit like a record-breaking 12 targets. Uh, I think it was like like eight eight receivers, three tight ends. Uh, and a running back for, like, the most in SEC history. And it was right after that game, Kenny Trill became really popular. So I know that that is a fact, the answer here. And, of course, according to the survey, yes, it is. It is Kenny Hill. Now, uh, last question. Which Texas AM and quarterback holds the school record for career passing yards? This is tough. I, I know it's not Johnny. It's not Reggie McNeil. It's not Corey Pollack. Is it... Is it Ryan Tannehill or is it Gerard Johnson? Ugh, I mean, I- I'm going to go with Johnson just to fill, you know, something. And hopefully I'm right. Uh, and then I'm just going to look up what's the number after this. And it is Gerard Johnson. Okay, I was right. Now, uh, let's just look up what his stat was all time when it comes to passing. And who's... waiting to hear- Okay, so I was wrong. Uh, it wasn't Ryan Tannehill. He's actually eight. Uh, it's Jody Manziel with 7,820 yards. And I didn't know that Kellen Mann was third because I do know that people have been talking about how everyone's been looking out for is he going to become the all time leading pa- passer in AM history? And he's on path to. I mean, he only has to throw for a little over a little under a thousand yards to break the record. He'll beat Manziel, I would say, no later than week four of this season. And then Manzel was only about 300 behind Johnson, so yeah, I would definitely say he is going to be the one to take over this role. So Gerard, I mean, good for you that you've had the record since 2010, but that's going to come to an end real soon. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Aggies. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on lockedonpodcast.com on iTunes and Spotify. Follow us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. Tomorrow, we will be talking about the Texas A&M linebackers and how Mike Elko believes that they will take over the production that was lost by the likes of Justin BK in the draft this upcoming year. We'll see you tomorrow, and remember, up to date. Make sure you stay. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.